Welcome back to the Edge Athlete Lounge Podcast. I'm Laura Ohms and hosting this episode today featuring Chris Bowles. Chris is an Edge member. He's a veteran Edge member and joined the first year that it was open. He has raced everything from 5K to ultra distance and running, everything from sprint distance to Ironman and triathlon. And he just returned from London doing the London Marathon. Prior to that, he completed the Boston Marathon this year. He is also a six-week challenge finisher where he lost 27 pounds and gained 9 pounds of muscle. Wow. And lastly, Chris is just a volunteer extraordinaire, super nice guy, and just always helping out when he can. So we're really excited to have him on today. So welcome, Chris. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you on. Been looking forward to this. Um, So we have many things that we want to talk about following that intro, um, but why don't we just start by you sharing a little bit of your athletic history with us? Well, I think my athletic endeavors began probably when I was in in kindergarten or first grade on the gymnastics team, which was a very short-lived career. (laughs) Um, But growing up, I did enjoy playing baseball and swimming, and swimming was the one sport that I really stuck with uh, leading up to high school. When I got to high school, I had to make some choices in terms of time, and I was very involved with music and theater, and I stayed with the musical route. And I didn't really think that much about it at the time, but that ultimately led to a lot of great things in my life, but it also led to me leading a very sedentary lifestyle. And I became very overweight in high school, uh, which led to a lot of self-confidence issues. And it wasn't until the summer before my senior year of high school when I still had the competitive spirit and I knew I wanted to make some changes and I just remember waking up and going out and said, I'm just going to start running. I just, I need to lose some weight. I had tried a couple of other things, but just wasn't disciplined about it and really just made it a big priority to start running and was very slow. And it was just that classic scene that you see of somebody overweight, just jogging around a track, just starting there. And it's crazy to think that that was about 20 years ago Hmm. or 20 plus years ago. um, And looking at all the races that I've accomplished uh, since then. Wow, that's really incredible. And yeah, I I mean, I love doing these podcasts because it's so interesting. Like you have no idea the story behind people. So um, wow. So tell me a little bit more about like what caused you to make that shift. You said you were like a senior in high school and yeah. We all have amazing teachers in in our lives. And, you know, to be completely honest, I, you know, didn't really think that a PE teacher was going to have the impact that they did. But my gym teacher in high school was Mark Success, and he was the soccer coach. And I think he knew that I was very competitive and, and had a big passion for sports and just knew that I had not been challenged with it in the past. So he would push and prod a little bit of trying to find different ways to challenge me in different classes and whether it was just challenge me in a game of one-on-one basketball. He was an amazing badminton player. I remember that as well. (laughs) Um, But we just continued to play and I realized how much I missed sports because music and theater had taken over my life. I ended up playing music uh, in, in college for a couple of years before I really just wanted to focus more on sports and I got back into swimming and got back into cycling. And by then I'd continued my running. I, I liked running up into the 5K distance. I really did not believe in running beyond that. And <laughs> I'll share a quick early story about the first 
race, big race that I did was a half Ironman in 2005. I had also just done my first Olympic triathlon with team and training, which kind of we'll get into later on in terms Mm -hmm. of how I got involved with volunteering Mm -hmm. in the race community. But I was in a very celebratory mood after the race, (laughs) having a couple of adult beverages. Uh And a friend of mine, Joe from Texas, called me and was congratulating me. And he said, Bowles, you got to come down to Texas. There's this half Ironman we can do. And I said, that sounds great. I'm totally in. Didn't really remember that conversation. Three weeks later, he said he got his race entry, so I needed to get mine. And I was signed up for a half Ironman. And at the time, my older brother was very involved with the Chicago Marathon. had run it a couple of times. He saw me doing all of my training. He knew I was a good swimmer. He knew I was a really good cyclist. He knew that I was not spending any time on the run training. Hmm. So he called me out on it one day, and he said, you're not doing any running. You know that you have to do this half marathon at the end of the race, right? (laughs) Right. And I said, yes, I'm well aware of that. And he said, you don't train for the run. How are you going to finish it? And I said, well, in my opinion, I'm not going to have any energy to, to really run the half marathon at the end of the race. So why would I bother training for an aspect of the race that I'm not going to have any energy for? Oh I'd rather spend all of my time training for the bike and the swim. Uh-huh. And to me, that made total sense. And he said, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard you say. <laughs> right, exactly. So then I said, all right, fine. What's going to make you feel comfortable about this? And he said, I'd like to know you could go out and run nine miles. And I did a very smart thing and just ran out the door for nine miles. Oh my right? goodness, so I, I was, yes, it was... The, you know, my racing career blossomed from there. <laughs> wow, that I mean, you got to start somewhere. So, yes. well, actually, you kind of like dove in. It sounds like uh, I did. Um, I yeah. did. It kind of blindly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And from there, though, like you were, you just have been hooked since then with endurance sports. Yeah, okay. I, you know, I enjoyed the triathlon distance. I liked being able to do a little bit of all three. I guess it's a little bit of the ADD of of sports, and that you get a chance to do the swimming, which I love okay. swimming, and that's the one sport that is very much like muscle memory for me. Mm-hmm. If I have have a couple of weeks I can really get back to where wherever I was before uh, mm-hmm. when I stopped and I loved cycling um, I did an MS 150 bike ride in in Texas when I worked down there and so I loved the wow. idea of long love long distance cycling so I just really enjoyed all three sports it took me a long time to appreciate running though I fought it for a long time and I didn't do my first marathon until 2010 Okay. And that I think was at Rock and Roll New Orleans. And Mm -hmm. at that point, I'd started working uh, with team and training at the time. Okay. Yeah. Wow. What a history you have. Oh my. And I mean, the last couple of years, the last few years I've known you, you've made like huge gains in your, um, in your running skills and abilities. So, um, that's really exciting too. So yeah. And it really strikes me that that PE teacher in high school, like saw something in you and saw that maybe like you needed that extra challenge or something or whatever it was and invested in you. And I love thinking that like we all, we all do have those people in our lives, right? If we can look back and think about who it is that's impacted us on our journey to get us where we are today. Yeah. And it's, and it's important to let them know that they've impacted you in that way. Cause I remember, uh, you know, looking, trying to fought, connect with him again later on after I did my first Ironman in 2013 and really to say this is because of you like if he had not mm-hmm. challenged me at that point I have no idea you know what would have happened my brother older brother was really active with the marathons my younger brother ran track and cross country but you know my parents were not super active um, in terms of you know exercising that was not something that was you know they encouraged us to be active in whatever we wanted and and Luckily for me, I found a lot of a, a good community in, in music and entertainment, um, but that did not allow between that and schoolwork 
a lot of extra time for me to focus on exercising and sure. also did a lot of, you know, fast eating, you know, eating fast mm-hmm. food and eating on the run and not always, you know, making the smart decisions. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, you really, you bring up a good point about just like life balance overall and where you're going to choose to invest your time in different seasons of life, because it's not like some of those other things were bad, like, you know, music theater, that's all stuff that I love and I'm into as well, but it's a constant, I mean, I teach music, so I like love that and try to invest there, but then also choosing to invest time into, yeah, being healthy and active and training. It's all a big balancing act, but sounds like you've done pretty well with that recently, especially with like the huge highlights you, you have. So, um, so let's talk a little bit about that. You just came back from London. Um, also went to Spain, did the London marathon prior to that you did the Boston marathon. Tell us a little bit about these last couple of months for you. Yeah. So like many athletes, I've decided that running is a great way to see the world. Um, I've been lucky enough to do a couple of different races in a few different countries. I did the Berlin Marathon in 2017. Um, I did the uh, Puerto Rico Half Ironman, and I've done some amazing adventure races um, in Maine and in Washington. So I've gotten a chance to see many different parts of the world um, through the eyes of, of, a, of a racing athlete, and which has been awesome. And I'm very blessed for that. And I just had an opportunity to do Boston this year. And um, I had been fundraising with the American Cancer Society Determination Team for London Marathon. So it was not my original plan to do two marathons in 13 days, but... <laughs> I wanted to do, I, I had on my list to try to do all the world marathon, six mm-hmm. world marathon majors, currently six, because they just put out the notice about the, um, I believe it's the Shangdu, I'm not sure oh. if I'm pronouncing that, that um, yes. city correctly, right. but that marathon is under mm-hmm. consideration, and I've, I've heard rumors that there are a couple of others that are under consideration for okay. joining the world marathon majors, Okay, but... My hope is I can get the six in before they add to it. Yeah, so then you can say you did it. Exactly. I've got my, yeah. And so I wanted to do the six. And so London and Boston were numbers three and four. And Uh so my goal is to do Tokyo in March of 2020 and then finish in Chicago. Funny thing is, is I've never run the Chicago Marathon. What? I've worked and volunteered at it for going on almost 10 years. I would not have known that. Yeah. No, it's it's a big shock. That's totally my assumption. Yeah. Wow. But I've uh-huh. once I've you know I've told my staff that once I hit number five, which is going to be Tokyo, that uh-huh. they know that I'm going to run next year. Yeah. it's always been a challenge just because we are one of the largest charity teams for the Chicago Marathon. Sure, and I love making sure all of our athletes have what they need, and it's mm-hmm. it's tough to look over your own athletes and at the same time you know race for yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's always been the challenge. But next year. Um, it'll, I'll have my opportunity. Yeah, that's great. So yeah, say a little bit more about what you do. Cause I think that everybody's probably aware of the work you do and how that's integrated into some of your training and the fundraising that you do. Yeah. So I work for the American cancer society and I've been working on the determination team, which is our endurance fundraising program. So I work with, um, hundreds of amazing runners and triathletes all over the country that are super dedicated to our mission and raising Ten, you know, thousands, sometimes tens of thousands. Um, what of one of my good friends, Meg, she's raised more than $140,000 for the American Cancer Society in about six years. Oh my gosh. And that's so hard to comprehend. Yeah. Wow, it's, it's amazing. amazing. It's, it's incredible. Their passion for our cause and how mm. giving they are. And they are just super passionate about raising money to fight a disease that impacts almost every single person. I think yes. we all know one yes. person, whether it's through friends or through family, 
um, that have been diagnosed or have passed away from cancer. And it touches all of us. And this is one of the diseases that we all want to try to find a way to how can we help. And by raising money for cancer research and amazing patient support programs, I think that's one of the challenges we have at the American Cancer Society is we do so much more than research um, in trying to help patients through their own cancer journey. Mm, and that's beautiful. Determination is just one of the ways that you can volunteer through ACS. Um, and I ultimately got started, as I mentioned, I was a fundraising participant for Team in Training mm-hmm. and did my um, first Olympic triathlon for them in 2005. I did not realize the, how that race and that experience was going to impact my life personally and professionally at the time. I had a great time raising about $5,000. Um, I remember going to the meeting. To uh, My brother had done a half marathon in Alaska with team and training and said it was a positive experience. And it felt good to raise money for a good cause, Leukemia Lymphoma Society, um, which focuses on blood cancer research. I didn't personally have a connection to blood cancers, but... Just knew that it was a good cause and, you know, raising money to, to do races just seemed like an easy fit for me. So I did that race and then ended up leaving my job at the time. Um, a couple of years later, I worked for Enterprise Rent-A-Car for a few years, managed a few different offices in Texas, and then came up to Chicago to be closer to family. Went back to grad school, was doing contract work, and I went out for a run when I was back home off one of the breaks um, between my contract work and ran into, on my run, one of the volunteers from Team and Training that I hadn't seen in a couple of years, and she asked what I was doing. I told her that, you know, I was doing some contract work and was just going out for a run. She said, oh, you know, with your background, you should think about working for Leukemia Lymphoma Society and Team and Training. I had never thought about it, and hmm. I literally ran home, pulled up the computer, started looking at opportunities, and thought, you know, I always loved sales and marketing. I loved, you know, that the whole process. I've I've always liked sales. Um, I've always been a very competitive person um, with sales and the idea of selling something for the greater good just seemed like too good to be true. Like there's no way that I can, you know, be able to do this as a full-time job and interviewed for a couple of different positions and ended up taking a job with them in Southeast Virginia. And I moved there on basically 48 hours notice, moved to a city by Norfolk. I didn't know anybody there. I absolutely (laughs) loved the job. I did not like being, uh, I didn't like where I was living. I was very kind of isolated. And at the time, I think I needed to be around more friends and family. Mm -hmm. And so I decided to come back to Chicago after the year, tried to stay with uh, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, but coincidentally, through my brother, um, the American Cancer Society, one of his friends was working for the American Cancer Society, and they were expanding their their endurance program. And because of my experience with team and training, they hired me, and I've been there since. So I just wow. I work with recruiting athletes who want to do, you know, races, whether it's Berlin, London, um, you know, Chicago, New York, all sorts of different races that we partner with. And um, we're like, you know, it's, it's an amazing experience to be able to, to run these races, but to do it as part of a greater cause and to do it on behalf of people that have been through so much personally hmm. um, through their cancer diagnosis. It's just, mm-hmm. it's an unbelievable way to make it more meaningful and not just about your personal experience and results. Exactly. Wow. That's so well said. And so the mission is so beautiful. So, I mean, thank you for all that you do. And I've seen the way that you've interacted with athletes, um, in the past, you know, fundraising and recruiting and, um, yeah, you just do it so like eloquently. So, um, so again, yeah, thank you for the work that you do. So tell us a little bit about what brought you to edge. How did you join that community? 
So back in 2015, I, um, I did my first Ironman triathlon in 2013, and it was an amazing experience with um, Chicago Endurance Sports and um, had a blast doing Ironman Wisconsin. And I didn't know at the time if I was just going to be a one and done with the Ironman distance. Um, I finished it in just over 14 hours. It was one of the best days of my life. And then the next spring or summer, it was at that point that I realized how much I missed the training for the Ironman. That it would just the the bonds that you, that I built with so many friends, where you know you spend so much time with them. When you're training for an Ironman, it can be anywhere from 15 to 20 hours a yeah, week. It's intense. It's right. it's brutal at mm-hmm. times, but you get a chance to spend so much time with people that I realized how much I missed that aspect of the training. And a couple of my friends had continued on to other Ironman. Some of them said, "No, I'm done." Mm-hmm. But I decided that I wanted to do another one. So in 2014, I decided I was going to do one Ironman in 2015. And then somehow I talked myself into doing two. And so I was at the time training with a, um, a great coach up in Evanston, but commuting up there to do the bike training. And then I knew Jeff Fine actually through um, training at, at CES. And he told me about Edge. And Obviously, I'm a big fan of dogs, so the pugs were kind of the final. Um, they they sealed the deal for yeah. for my membership, but I, awesome. I just loved being closer to the city. It, it allowed me to uh, be able to do my training um, in the bike room much more efficiently than having to commute up to Evanston. Met a lot of great people, and I had no idea all of the different recovery tools that were available and just the benefits of the boots and having access to the cold and hot tubs. And getting a chance to meet so many other athletes who could dispense so much amazing knowledge. So true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not only like the staff and Robin and Brian, but you're just surrounded by people who are sharing their experiences and you just learn so much from just yeah. sitting there recovering. And, and there's so many people who are so smart and forward thinking about all the different obstacles that they may face in their racing journey. I'm not one of those people. (laughs) Unfortunately, I'm one of the people that I have to touch a hot stove in order to realize that it's hot. Uh So unfortunately, I have to crash through some races in order to say, I should do that differently. (laughs) Yes. Uh In fact, I I remember my first Olympic triathlon. I finished and my, my foot was throbbing. And I couldn't figure out what it was. And I went to the medical tent and they were looking at me and they were like, oh man, it looks like you sprained your ankle. Did you roll it? Where did you fall on it? And I said, no, I didn't do any of that. Turns out I tied my shoe too tight. And I just cut off the circulation to the foot. <laughs> See, how, how would so you have known? You had I, to go through that experience. Yeah, so there you go. Now you won't do it again. Podcast listeners, so. don't tie your shoes. Just don't tie your shoes. That's the ultimate lesson. Just, I love it. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, and since then, because, okay, so you've been there like about four years now, you have made like significant changes in just your own fitness and your own training. Like for instance, I know you're working with coach Shauna now and you recently completed the six week challenge. So tell us a little bit about those things that have just kind of like tightened up your training and, and fitness where it is right now. Yeah. So when I did, I was training for the Berlin marathon in 2017 and I had a, one of the, one of the worst injuries I've ever had. I I strained my calf and I didn't fully understand all the different challenges that come with when you have an injury in the middle of training like that, where I I remember just going out for the run and I had a a heads up the week before my muscles, my calf muscle was tight and it kind of gave me a heads up that something wasn't right. And I tried to just give it a couple of days of rest and then tried to gradually go back into it and I ended up doing a full-blown strain and that was really frustrating for me because I felt at the time 
I think just the winter before then, I had set a PR in the half marathon, which was like an hour and 45 minutes, which I was super excited about. And I felt that everything was lining up for a great marathon training season. And the calf strain pretty much derailed that. Um, I missed so much training that I was lucky enough to be able to come back and just walk run the Berlin Marathon. And I definitely did not have the racing experience that I wanted. And I had trained with a group um, for the Berlin Marathon, but I knew I knew I was capable of doing a sub four marathon, which is what I always wanted. Yes. And so at that point, um, Lydia, who also ran the Berlin Marathon with the American Cancer Society team at the time, she was working with Shauna and seemed to have a lot of great results from that. And I just knew that when I hired a coach for the Ironman training and when I hired a coach before then for one of the half Ironmans, I had better results. And um, I'm pretty diligent in doing what I need to do, but sometimes I don't know what I need to do. And that's where the experts of the coaches at Edge and Sean has been great to work with over the past couple of years. And so she started working with me after I completely finished up all of my PT from uh, from the injury and Mm -hmm. started working with her. And at the time, I think my PR for the for the marathon was somewhere around 425. And I decided I would sign up for a spring marathon, and I signed up for the LA Marathon and worked really hard. And she was super supportive and gave me all sorts of good uh, hip exercising work just because knowing from the feedback from the physical therapist that that was a problem for me, that I have a very weak right hip, which was contributing mm. to calf injuries or okay. hamstring injuries, what have uh-huh. you. And so she knew that I, that we needed to continue to focus on that in order to keep me healthy. And I had one of the best races of my racing career, definitely top three, and came in at three hours and 40 minutes. So it took 45 oh my minutes word. off my marathon time. Yeah, wow, was, that's amazing, Chris. Yeah. Awesome. And then, yeah. um, so I finished the LA Marathon. Did a couple of other races last year, and then, uh, so that was March of 2018, and had a lot of fun in 2018, but I knew towards the end of it that I was going to be doing London and Boston. I knew I'd put on some weight. I definitely really enjoyed the holiday season because I knew in January (laughs) that I was going to be doing the six-week challenge, Uh so it was kind of like the movie 25th Hour when it came to... to eating I was just like absolutely like what I'm just padding the stats here (laughs) I'm I'm giving myself a better curve when I when I weigh myself in I understand that philosophy (laughs) so um I didn't pass on anything and uh but it it was something I knew I needed to do and it the the support and I talked it over with Shauna um to make sure because I want the only concern I had was how was the six-week challenge going to impact my marathon training Mm -hmm. and it did but we both felt that it was going to be worth it um, for the long run in terms of other goals that I had in 2019 okay. that for me to mm-hmm. lose weight and to be running at a lighter weight and to you know, build more muscle, that that was going to be worth perhaps a couple of weeks of discomfort sure, and kind sure. of adjusting to that. Yeah, it's nice to hear that thought process too because I think sometimes you know, like people enter a challenge like that maybe don't have the vision or have you know processed it or thought it out with somebody. So to be able to have a coach that you could really talk it through with, it sounds like that was You just said it, like you. having a coach and having yeah. that person to talk with because otherwise I just would have done it and would have been really upset. And if I had not had those conversations with Shauna, I probably, sure. I very well could have gotten very frustrated in the first couple of weeks and said, I... I'm more concerned about London and Boston than losing weight. And I might've just pulled the plug, Uh but knowing that it was a process and that my body was going to adjust, I just needed to give it time Mm -hmm. that, that gave me the confidence to, you know, sit through it. And 
I'll be honest, like the first week, it, it was hard. The mm-hmm. body goes through a lot of withdrawal system, um, mm-hmm. you know, symptoms. Um, shockingly, goldfish crackers are not on the six-week approved list. Oh, man. And, I do um, love those. I know. I know. They're so, <laughs> they're wonderful. They're little, it's a nice little, little drops of heaven. <laughs> so, um, but I, I had, I, I knew I needed to get more vegetables. Like I knew that that was one piece and, um, it was great to work through some of the challenges, um, but it was totally worth it. And I've, um, I've talked with a couple of people about some of the things that worked for me <clears throat> versus others. Like I struggled with the breakfast, um, I was really excited about trying egg whites, and then I saw how many egg whites I had to eat to get my protein taken. It was a full plate of egg whites, and I made it through half, and I was like, I can't have any more eggs. I can't do this. Yes. And then Shauna said, well, try this protein shake. Try this. And um, now, like almost every morning during the week, I have a spinach berry protein shake, and it's awesome because I get like a cup to two cups sometimes of spinach, frozen berries, protein powder, and... It's just a great way to start the day, um, just so that I, I, normally I have to scramble at the end of the day to probably get my vegetable intake, but to know uh-huh. that I can start in the morning yeah. and get my spinach in at that point, it's it's great. Uh-huh. And then right around... <laughs> just, um, it's making me think of Popeye. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, and side note too, for anybody listening who doesn't know the six-week challenge, if you listen to like Andrew Mybach's episode, we talk really intensely about it, but essentially it's six weeks where you're adjusting your diet and adjusting your fitness goals, doing a lot of strength and conditioning work, working with coaches at Edge to make some shifts in your, uh, in your lifestyle. Yeah. 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 And it was great to be part of a group with that, like to Mm -hmm. see lots of other people, the support that we got from, um, a lot of the alumni as well as other people, just the positive compliments, like noticing the change. Mm -hmm. It was, it was great. And um, yeah. And just to recap, like Chris lost 27 pounds, gained nine pounds of muscle in six weeks. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and then I remember it was in February when I was starting to do, I had to do my speed training for Boston and London. Um, I was doing it at night and I was really struggling at that point. Um, and I would, I was typically do Robin's strength class on Wednesday morning. And then I would try to do, then I would do speed training at night. And the last, I I was barely making it through the speed workouts and I had to talk with Shauna and we just adjusted to say like that it was tough for me to get my nutrition, to have enough energy to do my speed workouts at night. And ultimately I had to cut out Robin's class in the morning. Um, and so I could do my speed workouts in the morning. So I had enough energy to do it. And then I did, I had, um, a half marathon in March, um, for the carry half marathon. And I had been getting, I'd been dealing with a nagging hamstring injury for pretty much since December. And I didn't really know how it was going to go. I'd actually done a half marathon in February when I was down in Orlando for work at the Disney Princess Half Marathon. And I think I ran that one in about like an hour and 51 minutes. And so this half marathon was probably two or three weeks later. And I was finally getting to the point where I felt like my speed was coming around, but I didn't know what was going to happen. But Shauna had an awesome training plan with giving me the confidence to focus on my 10K, 5K half marathon speeds. And I ended up doing the half marathon in an hour and 40 minutes. And so I took four and a half minutes off of my PR from the half marathon distance. And it was great. And so I I don't think that I would have been able to do that at my previous weight. Like that would have Mm. been a lot. But it just, I felt healthier. I felt... um, I just didn't feel as lethargic um, unless I got off the the six week challenge diet. Like it's a very strict diet, and if you if you cheat, you you'll you'll feel it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it was awesome just to see the results from that, and I get so many compliments from people at work and people who haven't seen me in a while that it's it was absolutely worth it. 
Yeah, that's great. It sounds like you just had such a healthy perspective about it too. Like you could have, you held the long-term vision and, and gritted it out during those tough couple of weeks. But, um, yeah. And like, and, and talking through, you know, how important a coach is, um, it's so significant through a process like this, um, to have somebody as a sounding board and giving you feedback. And, and also, I mean, you've worked with her for a couple of years. So yeah, just, um, plugging, you know, personal coaching. It's, it's so special to journey with somebody in that way over time, because they really do get to know you and their, in your patterns and habits and how you function and what you respond to and what you don't respond to. So, I mean, I remember the first time I started working with a coach, I it was just like the heavens opened. I was like, wow, there's all these things I didn't know about and I can change and I can improve. And, um, yeah, it's just, um, it's, it's pretty, pretty exciting. Yeah. yeah the gr- group training is awesome in that you know you get to build so many great relationships but the benefits you get from a personal coach are just wonderful in the fact that they get to know you they get to know how to push you um you get somebody who will sometimes tell you what you need to hear and um i remember actually giving feedback to shauna at the end of the year just saying i need you to tell me when i'm being an idiot um because she worked with with she was very um flexible when i would say hey i'm thinking about doing the chicago triple and then a couple weeks later i want to do this adventure race and then i'm thinking about doing this marathon can uh-huh. this all you're like work? a chronic race addict and you needed someone to reel you in a little bit and yeah. be more strategic about yeah. what you're doing and, and she and she can do that and and you can it's good to have somebody to say those are all great ideas but she would always say like what's your a race when i yeah. when i told her that i was able to get into to boston she said all right what's your plan for boston Boston or London. And, and I wanted to say, well, if everything's going well for Boston, I'll just make that my A race. And she's like, no, you got to pick, you got to be strategic about this so that yeah. you can figure out what are you going to train for? So yeah. it's, it's helpful to have that person that can yeah. make sure you're, you're on the right path. Yeah. Yep. Well said. Yep. And you do look amazing. I mean, you've continued, um, to, with the changes that you've made during the challenge and on. So, so kudos to you for Thank a big you. lifestyle change. Yeah. It's, it's really awesome. Um, so what do you have coming up? I'm curious, like, yeah, the rest of this year, what's on your schedule? I mean, you just had a pretty amazing spring, um, I, but yeah. I did. I did have an amazing spring. I know that there's more that I want to do on the marathon side. Like, I, 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 I had two rough runs in Boston and London. Boston got got hot. and I mean, we I think we, we just had a recap party with the, the training group for Boston, and it was you know, we had three seasons in a span of six hours in Boston. Um, and heat was the last one that we were prepared for. We had prepared for everything else in terms of cold and rain, Mm -hmm. but we weren't prepared for 70 and and sunny. Um, How could you be? Yeah. yeah. So that got, that got to me. And, and I knew at the time that I, I told myself, well, I've got London coming up in a couple weeks. So I'm just going to pull back. You know, I've got 13 days. So if this is not going to be my day, let's pull back and save up some energy for that. And then, for whatever reason, my breakfast did not agree with me in London, and oh, so I bummer. pretty much ran with a brick in my stomach for that oh. day. But despite that, the experience of running in London was amazing. And when you turn the corner onto London Bridge, it was picturesque. Oh. I remember just, I mean, the bridge was absolutely spotless, and there were people lined um, on both sides. There wasn't a dry spot on the course. I mean that with no 
beer and no people cheering, <laughs> um, which was good and frustrating at times because I was not having a good day. I was really frustrated and I just, sure. um, I, I, I wanted to kind of wallow in my, my, my frustrations and there wasn't any place to do that without hearing somebody say, you know, I saw my American Cancer Society shirt and they were screaming, you know, cock off cancer, cock off cancer. <laughs> um, That's so, amazing. Yeah. But so it was still, it was a great way to see, to see London mm. um, and to just experience a different part of the world. So um, right now I'm focusing on ultras. Um, I've decided that I, I want to continue. I did the elimination run in October up in Libertyville. Yeah. And I've got a good friend of mine who does 200 mile runs and does all these crazy races. Ooh. And I've just decided that I wanted to do something that scared me a little bit. And so I've actually got a 100K in two weeks. So that's up in Kennel Moraine in Wisconsin. And I'm banking a lot on my road mileage from Boston and London to help get me there. Um, I had a chance to run with Vanessa and Mike in uh, Swallow Swallow Cliff Uh um, this past weekend. Um, So I'm getting used to the trails. I I like it so far. You'll have to ask me how I feel after June 1st. Sure. Um, yeah. But, or maybe even like a week or two later. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, yeah. The, the, main, the one that I was really excited about is Silver Rush 50 Miler. And we've got a great group that's going out there for that. Yes, we do. Um, and so that was the one that I was really signed up for. But I needed to find a trail race to be able to do a trial run. And mm-hmm. the thought process was, was either I was going to sign up for the 50K or I was going to sign up for the 100K. And the 50K is only five more miles than what I've already done a couple of times in Boston and London. And so we figured it would be better for me to get used to being on my feet for the duration of a 100K race and that that would be helpful in preparing for the altitude and the elevation challenges that I'm going to face in Leadville for the uh-huh. Silver Rush 50 miler in July. Yeah, I can so, see that logic. That, yeah. that makes sense. That sounds very strategic. I don't strategic. know how much time people say that there's a lot of logic in the ultra races. I don't <laughs> think that that's said it's, that often. It's true. I guess because I'm amidst this community, I can slide that in. But yeah, yeah. I, I understand completely. Yeah. You say that in front of different audiences. Like, there's yeah. no logic in ultra racing. <laughs> right, exactly. It is really neat to um, watch the endurance athlete like transform over time and see where the journey takes them. Because I see more and more of that it's not that you get bored with something, but it's more like I see like, yeah, this like hunger for something new or for a new risk or a new challenge. And, um, I actually was just listening to a different podcast on endurance training and they had the same, that same thought that it's like, we're seeing that more and more now. So it's, it's kind of exciting to see people trying new things and watching where people are going. They continue to come up with all these different races that you can enjoy. And, and, um, I had, um, if, if people are looking for a different challenge, um, swim run is, it was so Yay, much I'm fun. I'm so glad you brought that up. It was on yeah. my mind to bring it up. I yeah. had so much fun with that race in, uh, in Washington last September. And so swim run is a race series that's based off of the Otillo race series, which I, maybe in Sweden. Somewhere in Europe. Uh, yep, yep. It's swimming, running back and forth, back and forth. You're running in your wetsuit. You're swimming with your shoes on. It's island hopping. So you start on one island, you run across it, you swim to the next, run across it, swim to the next, run across it, and it's back and forth, back and forth. And I did one, and the first one that they had was in Portland, Maine in 2016. And I did it with my friend Ramon, the crazy guy who does the 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 serious ultras, like the 200 mile runs. He did the Moab 230 okay. um, this past wow. summer. 
I don't get it. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so he and I did that one together. And he does my job in New York uh, for oh, the New okay. York City Marathon. So okay. we did that one together, and it was a miserable experience. Mm-hmm. I used a beat-up wetsuit, um, probably one of the first ones that I ever owned, and I thought it would be fine. I swam in it a couple of times in Lake Michigan. I wanted something that was going to be flexible because I was going to be running in it. Sure. And so I used that one. And I didn't realize how much I chafed a little bit in the wetsuit. Mm. And you don't think that much about it in Lake Michigan. But when you're in Maine and you're in salt water, oh, boy. you do. Right. And I got to the point where I couldn't move my arms. Oh, my I mean, word. Not to get graphic, but I lost <laughs> chunks of skin under oh my, my arm. Goodness. I had a ring around my neck. <gasps> oh, goodness. I, I mean, okay, well, it, this is like advice to anybody yeah. that's like thinking about these, right? Well, like, so to... they, they, give you, they, they gave us an option of, of buying the, uh, the Blue 70 designs a swim-run wetsuit. So it's uh-huh. a little bit thinner than a regular triathlon wetsuit, mm-hmm. but it's so it's better to be run, for you to go running in. And at the time, I didn't want to throw money at something that I didn't know if I was even going to like the sport. So makes I, sense. Yeah, yeah. So I did the race and you know, it was, it was fine. I actually did better when I almost just took my wetsuit off. Uh, I did the second half of the race with the top half of my wetsuit just hanging down. So I wouldn't uh, have the, the friction uh-huh. on my arms and on my chest. And so then when I saw that they posted that they were doing another race out in Washington on Orcas Island, I posted on social media and I said, who else is stupid enough to do this with me? And a good friend of mine, Paul, who did Berlin with us in uh-huh. um, seventeen set in 2017, he's like, I think I need to hear a little bit more about this. And I told him the worst of it. I said, this is as bad as it gets. And But I said, I, I, really, I really enjoyed the sport of it. And I feel like I learned a lot from the first one. Again, referencing back, I have to crash through some I races. I was thinking to the learn same things. thing. I was going to circle back on that too. Yes. Yep, I love it. <laughs> I crashed hard in that one, but I learned yeah. from it. And I was really excited to apply those learnings in the second one. Yep. And so we went to this island, Orcas Island, part of the San Juan Islands, very far northwest Washington, if you're on the island and you look north, you're looking into Canada. You're looking into Vancouver. Um, and it was just beautiful scenery in this small, it was like, state park. But we they they don't always do a good job of measuring the course beforehand. I think they have to use a lot of, like, aerial maps oh. to try to do it. So I think originally they said it was going to be three miles of swimming total, I think over about 12 legs. And then they said it was going to be 15 or 16 miles of running by the end of it, we had done. Then they told us the day before the race that they had realized that they had measured some of the course, and it was probably going to be closer to three and a half miles of swimming, mm-hmm. and probably seventeen or eighteen miles of running. We ended up doing four and a half miles of swimming and twenty-two miles of running. Uh oh! All that's, trail running. That's, we summit, those are big changes. We, we summited two mountains. Oh my um, goodness! It was, uh, but it, we had so much fun, and I'll never forget. Uh, when we were just running through the woods and all of a sudden I hear Paul humming something and he's all of a sudden I realize he's singing one of the songs from Queen (laughs) and he sang a couple of bars and all of a sudden I chimed in next thing I know we are belting out Queen in the middle of the woods just running through the woods just having fun and Lance Armstrong did the race oh uh, yeah and I can't remember the the guy he did it with because you do it in pairs Uh uh-huh yeah and but whoever he did it with was the silver medalist in the triathlon sport in the London Olympics he's from Canada okay Um, can't think of who that is yeah but so they did it together they didn't win either um, but there are a couple of really, really good swim runners out there. Yeah, um, I've who, really enjoyed talking to you about these races. Yeah. So I don't know. I think there's going to be one on the horizon for me. I've they been thinking about it. They just announced the one there's in northern Michigan. 
Ooh, I'm going to have to check Island. that out. Oh, awesome. Yeah. I mean, that would be, yeah, much more accessible and convenient for me. Yeah. All right, man. I will keep it in mind. But yeah, yeah. Those, those races are awesome. I'm seeing more and more of that. Yeah, like the Aquathon type. But the Swim Run series sounds really amazing. Yeah. They're finding all sorts of ways for us to spend money. <laughs> Um, and stay fit maybe and have fun. We can yeah. add those on too, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> man, endurance sports. Yes. I mean, it's, uh, you do end up spending money and investing in them, but for the good, right? Exactly. For the good. Um, all right. Well, we are going to wrap up soon here. I'm wondering if, I mean, based on the history that you shared in the beginning of the podcast, which I think is really unique and, um, and probably speaks to some people, if um, there's anything, um, any support, like last words you would provide to somebody who is maybe in your shoes of um, kind of had stepped away for a while. I mean, you were in high school, but you know, maybe adults too listening, stepped away from for a while from sports. Maybe they did as a kid, finding themselves in more of a sedentary lifestyle. Maybe th- every once in a while, think about getting back into it. Don't really know how or where to start, but maybe have that little like motivation, like maybe they want to begin. What would you say to them? I would say j- just start running. Just start with wherever, whatever you can do at that moment. You, everybody starts somewhere, and for yeah. me, it was running around a track. And I think I did a mile, maybe two miles, and then built it up over into to three miles, and then just started to feel a lot better with myself. And that gave me so much self confidence, which is what I love about this sport is that it can be frustrating at times, and you work through injuries, you work through setbacks, you work through not hitting certain race goals, but then you do hit the, some of those race goals. And it's so rewarding to know that that, that work is paying off. Um, I encourage you to find a support system, you know, find the people that you want to be, find your tribe, I think is what they say. Find the people that you're, are going to motivate you to, to continue to show up and continue to be out there. There's so many great groups. Um, I've been blessed and so grateful that I found edge and made so many friends, um, there, but there's all sorts of great groups, whether it's like November Project, whether you want to join a charity team. Um, I do think being part of a charity team from an endurance side or an athletic side, it's a great way to stay motivated. We have so many first-time marathoners through the American Cancer Society. This is not a pitch to join the determination <laughs> team, but we do have spots available for Chicago Marathon, and we have so many first-timers who join us because they want to be part of something that's greater than themselves. They don't want it to be just another race for just for themselves. They want it to do it on, on behalf of a greater cause. And I do think everybody has the capacity to give. And sometimes it just takes a, a, a while for you to figure out in you know what is your biggest sphere of influence. And I love talking with people about trying to figure out what they can do. Because sometimes they see people volunteering in a certain way and they're like, oh, I don't like that. That means I can't volunteer. And it's like, well, no, you can just do it differently. Sure. And I remember talking with one volunteer who wanted to get involved and she, just as one example, but she didn't like a lot of the events that we had, but then she realized that we, you know, we have this golf event and she said, my brother is a member of this golf event uh, or a, a very prestigious golf club in the, on the East Coast, he can probably get a lot of stuff donated. And like her involvement with the golf club ended up in basically like fifteen to twenty thousand dollars worth of stuff that we were able to get for that event. It's wow. just kind of understanding your reach and your impact, mm-hmm. and that you know, mm-hmm. yeah, you may not be able to fundraise twenty twenty five thousand dollars, but that doesn't mean you can't impact a cause that exactly. you're you know, something like that. So think about the causes that you're most passionate about, mm-hmm. um, be it health related, education, fitness. Um, there, there are so many amazing volunteer opportunities for that just to keep you motivated and to be part of something for the greater good. Yeah. Love it. 
Well, really well said. Thanks, Chris. Um, and thank you for being on and sharing part of your story with us. Um, so good to hear from you and hear these little nuggets of truth and wisdom and laugh a little bit with you too. So thanks, man. Good to have you on. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks so much to Chris for being on this episode today and sharing part of his story with us. He is indeed a multifaceted endurance athlete and has made so many amazing choices to create a satisfying, healthy, competitive, and fun lifestyle, not to mention all the good he does for others and the work that he does for the American Cancer Society. So kudos to you, Chris. I wanted to take a moment to let you all know about an upcoming change for myself and my family. We are actually moving to the Indianapolis area later this summer, which is really exciting, but comes with loss as well as any big change or transition does. This episode serves as my last time hosting the Edge Athlete Lounge podcast. I wanted to express my gratitude towards all of you, the listeners of this podcast. This was just a mere thought in my mind about two years ago, and it has really turned into something beautiful with your help. It has been tremendously meaningful to me, and I hope you have found some meaning and inspiration by listening to the stories of the guests that we have had on the show. The podcast will be continuing in some capacity, so stay tuned to hear more about that. And as always, in order to keep up with what's going on at Edge, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Best wishes, athletes and friends, and onward and upward we go.